Welcome back to I'm Open Podcast. Today we have a very special guest who is back on the pod due to popular demand. We're going to be talking about an iced coffee mystery, a fake underdog, and a Hollywood coincidence. Or is it really? All coming up next on I'm Open Podcast. Today, we are back in the studio and we are so blessed to have here by popular demand returning one of our favorite, I would say maybe personally my most favorite of any of our guests that we have had, Ariana, the front woman. (laughs) You don't remember my last name? No. (laughs) Do you want me to say your last name? Uh, maybe not, just for discretion, to keep my privacy. Okay. Ariana, welcome back to the I'm Open Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. So, I know you've been waiting and waiting to get back on the podcast, and the moment was right, and I'm really glad that we were able to work everything out with your representation to get you back in here, um, into the studio. All right. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, sorry, I'm open family. We've been away for a little while. That means that we have got a lot to catch up on. We definitely do. Since we last spoke, there is a new NBA champion. Now, everybody was crying and complaining about how basketball doesn't even matter. Just cancel the whole season. What's even the point of us playing all the games? Well, because the Warriors are going to win anyway. Why, why do I even like basketball? The Warriors already won it. Well, I'm not sure if they realized or were awake or maybe just canceled basketball and pretended like it didn't exist anymore and said RIP. But the Warriors did not win the championship. So after all that hooting and hawing and crying and whining... I guess basketball is back. Basketball is back. What do you think? Were you happy to see the Toronto Raptors win their very first championship and the first basketball championship for Canada? Well, I'm biased because I always root for the underdogs to win. So by default, because they have never won before, I was automatically rooting for them. Also, um, Kawhi has had a stream of injuries, so I really think this was his time. But I do think that Warrior fans will probably be like, well, we would have won if it wasn't for Durant and if it wasn't for Clay," And they're probably right. But at the same time, it is about endurance and physical fitness. And I do think that they were just coming back a little too early off of the bench. And that's why they're both going to be out for a year. Well, Ariana, you really have a deep knowledge of the NBA. Hmm, I wonder why. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I mean, like you said, that's why you never count anything out. That's why you never say, oh, it's impossible. It's already over. What's the point of us even trying this? Because everybody thought it was impossible, both for the Warriors to lose and for the Raptors to win. Right. And look, it happened. But I also, I don't know. I think it would be nice if, you know, I know how these teams pick where if they get first pick, whatever, second pick in drafting. But it would be nice if there was a third layer of an overseer who makes sure that the teams are balanced because it just seems like warriors are just destined to wipe out every single team. But they didn't. Well, that's because they were hurt. (laughs) I mean... Okay, so that's possible. Injuries happen all the time. It's a sport. I guess so, but 
it just does it just it seems like they were unfairly stacked to begin with. Well, speaking of unfairly stacked, Jay-Z and Beyonce were at game three of the finals in Who were they rooting for? Oakland. Toronto? Um, I'm not sure who they were rooting for. I think they were just out there being just out there flexing, being rich and famous and just showing that they could. I think they're just watching for entertainment. So America's power couple, Jay-Z and Beyonce, were sitting courtside. Game three in Oakland. And you can see where their seats were. They're pretty freaking good seats. Mm-hmm. I'm showing Ariana a photo right now of their seats. Now, the photo you are currently looking at caused a huge amount of drama and vitriol on the internet. Why? And in this photo that I'm currently showing Ariana, you can see that there's a woman leaning over Beyonce to say something to Jay-Z. And Beyonce looks a little disinterested. Right. I was going to say, Beyonce just kind of looks like, I don't really want to give this woman the time of the day. But this woman just clearly is just trying to chat with either one. And Jay-Z looks like, all right, you want to chat? I'll chat, you know. Well, based off just this image coming out, Ariana, the beehive went crazy (laughs) and started attacking this woman. Oh, no. Death threats. Roasting her. Roasting her on the internet, on Twitter, everything. Really cyberbullying to the fullest. And look, that's what the beehive... We lo- look. I'm a member. What did Beyonce say? Did I she just want to before they look. I just really want to say before they come after me. I am also a member of the Beehive. I roll hard for Beyonce, and I love Beyonce. So I'm not right. trying to say you know every single member of the Beehive you know was attacking like this or whatever. I respect how they represent her and stand up for her, and we all know. That this is how they are. The only person in, clo- in sports who even comes close to this is Kobe. Even though Kobe doesn't even play anymore, there have been stories of people like saying something mean about Kobe, and then like on Twitter, and then other people literally driving to their house to try to fight them in person for saying something bad about Kobe on Twitter. So Kobe is the only sports person who comes close. Where like if you say anything bad about Kobe, people will like say they're going to murder you, but Beyonce is on a totally different level. Nobody's on her level in terms of just the fan support, the adoration that she gets, which she deserves. She is a queen, let's so be honest. is this the only photo there is? You can see a video here. Oh, I want to see the video. Which I'm going to show Ariana the video and live, and you can okay, tell right her. Okay, right now, Jay-Z's waving They're all outwards. waving. And then and there she goes, Jay-Z she's says, across. Jay-Z seemed like he was like, oh, but, um, and talking, but then he just kind of looked like, uh. Yeah, but Beyonce's face clearly is like, please don't talk to us. Like, I'm just trying to have a date with my man. And the girl, we'll just play it one more time. And the girl clearly just, like, wants to just be friends with a famous person. Okay. But now, okay, I I like your breakdown here. And for the I'm Open Family, I will post... Um, either a photo or video, depending on what I can uh, get a hold of for my Instagram, I'm open underscore pod, so mm-hmm. you guys can see for yourselves. Now, here's the backstory for this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a photo. This is why, you know, a picture can say a thousand words, but sometimes you don't know what the words are when you first see the photo. Yeah. And so the situation with this is the woman who was leaning over Beyonce to talk to Jay-Z, she's actually the wife 
of the person who owns the Golden State Warriors. Okay. So how did Jay-Z and Beyonce get such good seats? Because of them. The owners mm. of the Warriors, Joe Lacob and his wife, and I got to give her credit because she did get, you know, she got harassed left and right all over. Nicole Curran is her name, and she's the wife of the guy who owns the Warriors. Mm. So they invited them to sit with them at the game, oh. and they gave them f- incredible seats. As right, you can see. Right. According to Nicole, who's the woman who was leaning over Beyonce, she said she was just leaning over to ask them if they wanted a refill on drinks. <laughs> she said, I'm host. Well, here, I'll get her real. Um, uh, in the video, it looks like Jay-Z is saying, but no. Um, and then continuing his sentence of what they were talking about. According to her, he was just getting like a vodka water with lime. <laughs> and she was just trying to be like with lime, with ice. And Jay-Z was like, yeah, vodka, or whatever it was, like his <laughs> drink that he was ordering, right? So, and this is according to Nicole. She said, there was no hostility. I was just trying to be a good hostess. Right. Later on, she was in tears, and she said, I never expected cyberbullying like this. I can't believe our players go through this and kids go through this. Well, Beyonce, the head of the beehive, the queen bee, she needs to put a stop to this. Well, so it's complicated. Do you think she actually was? I mean, just, yeah, she did invite them. She did host them. But she still could have asked Beyonce, hey, will you ask Jay-Z if he wants another drink instead of leaning over Beyonce? Oh, what? that's, I'm sorry. That's no. So you, do you think it was rude for her to lean across Beyonce? Or do you think it was just normal in the moment? I, honestly, I, this is what it looks like. You can just visibly see on Beyonce's face. She is not a fan. She's like, get this man away from my man. Woman, but yeah. clearly, that's a lack of trust she has for her man, which is her own insecurities. Uh, thus, if you look back through her musical be- beehive uh, or chain, whatever, all of these songs are about Jay-Z cheating on her. And I'm mm. sure a lot of people, her you know, fans would attest or argue against it because I know she says, oh, they're not about Jay-Z. They're clearly about Jay-Z cheating on her. And when you have that line of mistrust, it's very easy for you to um, treat other women like that around your man. Now, in the video, yeah. I can visibly see Beyonce being like, get the hell away from my man. And honestly, that's a natural feeling that a lot of women have. Mm -hmm. But why can't she just, you know, for the sake of this woman and her sanity, if she's ahead of the, you know, all of her followers, if she just sent a quick tweet like, there was nothing, she asked him for a vodka soda, please let's stop hating other people, let's stop the bullying, you know? Well... They did speak out, and I just want to also make clear to, you know, all the I'm Open family out there. I just wanted to make clear to the I'm Open family. Ariana is also a big member of the Beehive. She loves Beyonce. Oh, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. And she loves every single song. I listened to Beyonce way back during Destiny's Child. These were, like, monumental albums, especially Crazy in Love. Um, Sleepovers, that was the only album I was playing over and over and over again. So you're talking to two big Beyonce fans right here in the room. Now... Her public, Beyonce's publicist did come out and post on Instagram and she said, I mean, this is the end of the Instagram. I'm not going to do the whole thing because it's like a paragraph. But in the end, she says, I also want to speak here to the beautiful beehive. I know your love runs deep, but that love (laughs) also has to be given to every human. It will bring no joy to the person you love so much if you spew hate in her name. We love you. So... It's her publicist, though. It's not coming from Beyonce. It's like, in a weird way, that is super bitchy to not acknowledge, like, hey, this woman is hurting. She's getting death threats. Like, please stop. 
you know, in a weird way that makes you read way into it being like, maybe Beyonce was feeling some type of way about this woman, even mm-hmm. though she's probably innocent. Just seemed like she was really just trying to chat with famous people. That's yeah. what it looks like. But she was. I think some rich people are used to kind of doing whatever they want and not having people call them out or be just they're just used to doing whatever they want in general right so i think some people don't like want you in their personal space and i think this woman is well then don't accept the tickets to the game (laughs) because you know you're gonna be sitting with them nothing's for free yeah wow i love beyonce but i'm not i'm not saying she's you know perfect in every way i think she said i think she's set symbolic movements for for women and um you know totally revolutionary you know an example but at the same time it doesn't mean that people still have imperfections of like their true insecurities but relationships but is it her job to really control her whole beehive her whole fan base when they're all individual people they do what they want i mean they might freak out. She can't be every single time the beehive freaks out. Beyonce can't be right, doing a whole speech about it. But you're a leader it. of a like you're a leader of your your <sighs> of your fan base, you know. Mm-hmm. And how do you want to portray your fan base if you know your fan base is sending death threats? I mean, wh- how harmful is a quick treat tweet being like, "Let's please spread love," you know? Mm-hmm. Please don't read into incidences. She doesn't even need to call out the girl, like just what her publicist mm-hmm. did, you know. Yeah. It seems like she was getting someone else to fl- to flame the fire, or maybe the publicist was talking to Beyonce, like, you need to do something. Beyonce's like, I don't need to do it. And then the publicist is like, all right, I'm just going to try to alleviate the situation. Well, thank you for those very wise insights about the situation between the Beehive and uh, Nicole Kern, the wife of the Warriors owner. And it really got real, and I think she's right when she said, I can't believe our players have to deal with that. Yeah, I mean... Players have to deal with that type of thing almost every night. Not on the same level as the number of people who are in the beehive of attacking this one woman, but players do have to deal with that every night. If they move teams, if they miss a shot, you know, even if they play great, then the other team. So it does go to show, I mean, people have to deal with this stuff all the time. Eventually, I would like to look at this woman's Instagram and see what's going on right now. Okay. Well, let's do that later. later. Thank Well, you were just talking about, Ariana, how you think Beyonce could help her beehive spread love. Right. And encourage them to spread love. Well, somebody who loves to spread his love all over the town is a fellow by the name of Tristan Thompson. Mm -hmm. Now, Tristan was really hot in the news, well... Let's take let's let's rewind a little bit. Tristan Thompson was a teammate with LeBron on the Cavs. LeBron and Tristan are really good friends. So LeBron said, basically, I am not going to re-sign and commit to stay with the Cavs until you give Tristan $90 million. So they did it because they wanted to keep LeBron. They gave him $90 million. Almost exactly right after that happened, he started dating. One of the Kardashians, the older one, which is Chloe. 
I think, is this the guy who cheated on him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's Chloe. Immediately after he got the $90 million, like clockwork, one of the Kardashians is bound to show up. Oh, yeah. And she sure did. Chloe, not before, but after the the contract is signed. Uh, so Chloe shows up. They start dating. I think she eventually had his baby, did she not? Pretty, oh, yeah, she, she, they had a baby, and then he was kissing somebody in a nightclub he, shortly after the baby was born. He, so, yep, so then the drama was that he smooched <sighs> this girl, Jordan Woods, who is best friends with Chloe's Chloe. little sister, uh, Kylie. Right. So that obviously caused a breakup. That caused, like, a huge issue within the family because, like, how are you, how is your best friend going to smooch your sister's baby daddy? <laughs> it was so messy. It was so messy. And it's not over yet somehow. Even though all these people are broken up, everybody's somehow moved on. It's somehow not over. Is Chloe still with him? No, she's oh. not. Which is obviously good. She made the right choice. Um, because Tristan is being a real thought, as they say. So here's what went down just very recently. Tristan was on the Cavs. They were not in the playoffs, so we had plenty of free time to go out and have fun. He was in L.A., land of the celebrities, and he ended up at the exact same club <laughs> on the exact same night. Oh, my the God. The club was called Bootsy Bellows, and... Wait. Oh, as Chloe? Kylie was there to celebrate the birthday of one of her best friends at this bar called Bootsy Bellows. Mm-hmm. The girl was also really close... To Jordan Woods, who is the girl that smooched Tristan. Okay. So, they all were there. It seems like they were kind of avoiding each other, but they were both there just to celebrate their mutual friend's mutual birthday. Friend. Okay, yeah. But Tristan ended up showing to the club as well. God. Is it just coincidence that Tristan happened to show up to the club or do you think somehow he found out that these girls were going to be at the club, decided to show up just to stir up some drama? Now, according to TMZ, um, you know, they're saying Kylie and Jordan's super tight friendship ended back in February when Jordan and Tristan kissed. Now, who knows if they just kissed? Who knows what happened? According to TMZ, they weren't really hanging out. They weren't really mixing. But guess who Tristan has been hanging out with a ton lately? Ben. Simmons. Who's that? And Ben Simmons has been dating Kendall Jenner off and on for the last year or so. Mm. What the hell is going on here? Is this all just a coincidence? Suddenly Tristan is hanging out with Ben Simmons all the time. Now, Ben Simmons was not with him at the club at this time, but Ken- at this one time. But Kendall Jenner and Ben Simmons have been like off and on for like the last year or two. Mm. Was it just coincidence that Tristan happened to be at this club where his girl that he smooched and sort of cheated on his, you know, baby's mom with and his, you know, could have been sister-in-law were all there at the same time? Was it just a coincidence? I mean, how many clubs are there in L.A.? There's so many. I know. It makes, well, maybe he's like, he just frequents this club a lot and that's just his deal, but... Also, and could have been a coincidence, but also, come on, you know, wherever those girls go, there's going to be paparazzi headed their way. So it just, it's very hard to believe that they wouldn't have that heads up going there. So I think he probably knew. I don't know what his motive was. So you think he went on purpose so he could bump into them and see them, or maybe they could just see him from across across the club? Because he's six foot ten. 
Right. So if he rolls yeah. into the club, they're going to see his big ass. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I don't know what his motive is. I'm sure there's, like, a lot of, like, you know, dark layers, like an onion of all this other crazy stuff that's happened. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm, but... Like Shrek. <laughs> Onions have layers. But, um, yeah, I, I just think it's really hard to just be like, I didn't know you were showing up for this birthday party, you know, or it could have been like a friend of a friend was like, yo, there's a birthday party, come over. And then they probably were like, oh, shit, it's these people. And then they're like, oh, whatever. Like, we're already in the Uber. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that there's a possibility that maybe Tristan wanted to show up and not talk to them? Almost to make them jealous or to make them... Like, I know he wasn't hooking up with Kylie, but, you know, obviously the words can get back to her sister, right? So yeah. do you think he was showing up to, like, make them jealous? Like, I'm good. I'm out here turning up with my boys. I don't need shit. Like, I don't care. Or do you think he was, like... Do you think maybe that was why to show that he was still living his best life? Or do you maybe, think he... Maybe, or is he really that, like, is he currently in the media a lot? Because maybe if he's not, he's like, okay, I want to do something controversial so my name pops up again so I get more attention on mm-hmm. myself. That's a good point. Seems like he likes doing controversial controversial stuff, doesn't it? I mean, it keeps him, it keeps him up to date in, like, the news. Yeah. Just to, you know, get the final verdict. You think... I think he knew. You think he knew. This was going on. You think it was yeah. not an accident, not a yeah. coincidence. Yeah, no way. That's it, really. Can wow. we... Keep it moving. Keep it moving. I mean, these people are just like, their lives are so like, I don't know, vacuous. It's like. Vacuous. That's is a good that a word. word? Yeah, it is. It is. I don't know what it means. But it's it's just nice... like, why do I need to fixate on these people who are just really dumb and shallow and have like loads of plastic surgery on their face? That's a great point. Why do we fixate on them? Why do we? I mean, didn't why one of them already have a baby? Why are you in a nightclub right now? Well, it's a birthday. Oh, yeah. Didn't Kylie have Travis Scott's baby? Yeah, I think she had a baby. But, you know, I can't judge because maybe when I pop out a kid, you know, I'm going to be like, I need to let loose. So I can't say that. (laughs) Now, is it weird to be at a birthday party for the women? And I know you just said, why do we focus on them? You're right. Why do we focus on them? But since we are, wouldn't it be weird if, like, you and another friend who is, like, your best, best friend, I think they even lived together for a while. Then they, like, broke up as friends and were like, don't talk to me, basically, because she hooked up with her, her sister. Sister's, yeah. Husband or whatever. I mean, her sister's husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, would you go to that birthday party knowing that friend was going to be there? I guess, if because the, then you're going to make a scene if, you're, if your friend's like, really, you're not going to come to my birthday party? And I think part of it is, like, some girls really like that drama. Like, they like huh. having to be like, oh, shit, this person's coming. Like, what are you going to do? And then it creates just more times to just shit talk each other, you know? And I guess, like you're saying, it's the other girl's birthday. It was their other friend's birthday. So they're both, I guess, trying to be, like, the bigger person. And just say, we're here to celebrate our other friend's birthday. We're going to put our beef aside tonight. And if we don't want to talk, we just won't talk. Yeah. I have to say, we're, yeah. we're, we're uh, touching a lot of juicy topics where if, like, we were actually famous, <laughs> we would get attacked by the beehive. <laughs> yeah, we would. And probably the Kardashians. Kardashian hive. So what are they called? thank God we're not famous. Well, Because if we were, actually, if we were yeah. actually famous, I would be very, very censored. 
They'll be like, oh, Beyonce, you know, there's no ill will towards anyone. Well, obviously, I, I, I have a pretty high profile from the podcast, but I try to, the nice thing about it is a lot of people don't know what I really look like. They just know what I sound like. So even though, you know, it's hard for TMZ to really get a hold of me and these different sort of blogs and gossip sites. And that's the way I try to keep. I'm more of a Kawhi Leonard type celebrity. <laughs> just let your play do the talking. Just let your game do the talking. <laughs> Would you agree? Um, I don't know. I don't even think we're on the spectrum of being even a D-list celebrity. So, well, I I am, but you know, and we don't need to go into which letter I am, which letter of celebrity I am. One thing that, you know, I am very passionate about and is very dear to my heart and I think about every single day that's not sports is, do you have a guess or should I just tell you what it is? Food. Well, that was very good. That is something I think about every single day and am very passionate about. But what I was going to say was coffee, which is another, I guess that's a... It's not a food, but it's nutrition. Uh, to me, it's nutrition. I don't know. It's actually nutritional. Coffee. It's summertime. I don't know if anybody told you out there. I'm open family. It's officially summertime. That means it's time for some iced coffee. Now, me personally, I do want to say my special tip. I grew up in D.C., which is naturally a swamp. What I would do growing up. Not too young, because I know you're not supposed to drink coffee when you're young, but when I would do as a young man, when I first started drinking coffee in the summer, I would make myself a nice hot pot of coffee. I would go outside, sit on my back porch drinking a hot cup of coffee, and you just start to work up a nice sweat. But when you're living in a humid swamp like the District of Columbia, in my parents' house, God bless them, and I love them to death, they do not have air conditioning in the house. Even though it's like 120 degrees with humidity here and the air like sticks to you and it's so thick. It's like walking through one of those bead curtains, but it's just, the beads are just moisture, right? So what I would do, and this is a good tip to everybody who lives in humid environments out there in the I'm Open family, you drink a nice hot cup of coffee outside, start to work up your nice sweat in the morning. Get yourself sweating in the morning, then you have a nice coat of moisture covering your body that actually keeps you cool for the rest of the day. It's like a nice glazed yeah. layer. Picture a glazed donut, but the glaze isn't sugar, it's perspiration, <laughs> Ew, and the donut is your skin. So I, I do drink hot coffee in the summer, but right now we're talking about iced coffee, which is also something I'm very passionate about. And... A gentleman by the name of Nick Van Exel, very cool name. He used to be the NBA for a long time. He had a nice long career. He played for the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Warriors, the Blazers, and the Spurs. He had a nice long career. And through that whole time, he just discovered iced coffee last <laughs> month. Now, this man is 47 years old, and his life has been changed now that he discovered iced coffee. So, uh, now. 
How is this proven that he this is the first time he's trying ice coffee? How is it proven? You're teeing me right up for an alley-oop. <laughs> Cross-board references. He tweeted on June 9th. <laughs> oh, my God. June 9th, 11.52 a.m. Had an iced coffee for the first time yesterday. My new drink. <laughs> wow. Later that day, uh, somebody <laughs> tweeted back at him. And you can be Nick Van Exel. I'll be the other Twitter. Somebody tweeted back at them. And I'll have to uh, give him credit. TweetJoy17, later that day, tweeted back at them. If iced coffee is your new drink, what was your previous go-to coffee drink? And what rock have you been living under that you never tried <laughs> iced coffee before? And here's what Nick said in response. Ha! A boulder. Never been a coffee drinker. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. And then later that day, um, or actually, let's just jump forward to two days later, June 11th, at midnight. He was going to bed, but he was still dreaming about iced coffee. What did he tweet, Ariana? Good night. Two exclamation points or one? Two. Two. Iced coffee in the AM for me. Can't wait. <laughs> Two exclamation points. So this man is literally... All caps can't wait. Can't wait in all caps. Now this man is literally tweeting, and I can relate as a coffee <laughs> addict. Sometimes when you go to bed, you are just excited to have that first coffee. He, well, as he's going to bed, cannot wait for the next iced coffee. And then it's not over. It's oh not over. Because he tweeted a video out of himself. And I'm not going to play the video, but you can read what he said in the video, Ariana. Oh, uh, can voice I of, just watch it? Okay, here's the video. Just turn up the volume so our, our, our fans can hear. Okay, here's what Nick said the following day, June 12th. I assume he did have his iced coffee because the night before he said, I can't wait to have my iced coffee in the morning. <laughs> so, here is the next morning what he had to say. Yo, what's up, what's up? I'm a little iced coffee this morning. Just want to let everybody know, all my Twitter followers, everybody that's in my phone, my friends, my family. Real disappointed in y'all that y'all didn't let me know about ice ice coffee before, so real disappointed. But since it tastes so good, I forget y'all. Peace. So I do think like maybe it's an amazing revelation because like coffee is a stimulant, and they do say that you know it has effects where like you get you know a little adrenaline rush, and um, you're not necessarily as hungry because of it um so i can see why it's almost it's like it's like trying a new drug basically for him it's like trying a new drug he's like oh I've, and i i kind of understand you're not a coffee drinker because like when i was teaching and i didn't have time to make coffee and like mm -hmm. i would just get a crash in in the middle of the day i wasn't i didn't i just stopped drinking coffee just went to tea and then lately i have a new schedule where i still wake up early but i guess um coffee is helping me a lot now Mm -hmm. Well, since you used the drug analogy, I'm just going to ride with it. Wouldn't you say iced coffee is sort of like the gateway drug to coffee? You start with coffee milkshakes or coffee ice cream. That's an easy, accessible thing for everybody. Then you maybe take a step towards iced coffee, and then you can try real coffee. But I, I think more people like iced coffee who maybe don't really like uh, hot coffee. Would you agree? Yeah, it's just easier. I feel like it's easier to drink. You don't have to, like, when it's hot coffee, you have to constantly wait till like, you can take off the lid. And sometimes it's scalding hot, you know. So it's just easier to 
if you're on the go to just have something you can sip through a straw it's not going to stay in your teeth as much because you're drinking it through a straw um and then you can p put more milk in it to kind of dilute it so it doesn't taste like as dark you know yeah so when they were saying have you been living under the rock a rock <laughs> living under the rock that would be a little bit different have you been li living <laughs> under a rock for you you but, know your whole life i mean life? it's strange yeah. it's strange but like i can see you being like coffee doesn't do it for me it gives me like really you know strange heart things whatever and you just rule it out for the rest of your life so when people are like oh you want some iced coffee they're like no i don't mess with coffee you know i can i can get that but it is hilarious how it's like have you been living literally under a boulder but but like for me like i've never been to taco bell and someone recently was like you've never been to taco bell it's just like no i haven't gotten around to, to going yet yeah so. don't waste your time no need <laughs> but like you know for some people it's like oh my god are you an alien it's just like no i've never like avidly went on my way to be like i need to stop at a taco bell now and i don't really know where the taco bar bells are in dc there's one out there's one up by fort totten there's okay. like a combination Taco Bell, like near like the... Yeah, com I don't really like the combinations. It's yeah. just weird to me. Because then you feel like they're not taking your food, that that food seriously. Mm. <laughs> Touche. But do you think, like, how is it possible that you go 47 years through life and never even, like, do you, he never even know ice coffee exists? Like, no, they... he knew. I'm sure he knew it exists, but he's just like, how come you didn't tell me that it was how good? Was, how good it was. Yeah, my new drink. <laughs> so you think he had heard of it? Yeah, he just never tried it. He just never tried it. It's like you know there's a Taco Bell, but like I'm not walking in through the door because I know, I assume I'm just not going to like Taco Bell. And so because I've never tried it, but who knows, maybe one of these days I'll walk into Taco Bell and I'll be like, yo, Taco Bell, this is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, so your ex your explanation makes a lot more sense. Because if you literally are 47 years old and you've never heard of iced coffee, it's like there's iced coffee commercials on TV all the time for Dunkin' Donuts, for McDonald's, for whatever, Starbucks or whatever. I mean, they have iced coffee on the menu at so many different, <laughs> like, have you never been inside of a Starbucks or a McDonald's? Like all these McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, all these places that have iced coffee. It would be hard to just literally not even know it exists. So maybe you're right. Maybe he knew it exists. He just didn't know how good it was and he just never tasted it himself. Yeah. Should he be mad? Like in the last video, he wasn't actually mad because he said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a free pass because it tastes so good. I'm in a forgiving mood or something along those lines. Should he be mad that nobody was ever like, hey, Nick, you should really try this iced coffee. Like, are his friends holding out on him? Should he be mad at them and kind of lose trust in his friend group and his inner circle? I, I don't I don't know. I think it's just a personal choice because he probably was just like, no, I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't drink coffee. And like, that's that. And people are like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not going to force coffee on you because some people are, you know, some people are like strictly like, I cannot drink coffee. It makes me jittery and, you know, whatever. Well, Ariana, if you discover a new food or a new drink or a new restaurant or whatever that you really really love and it's like a big sort of revelation and great surprise to you are you the type of person who wants to share it with everybody and be like oh my god you have to try this you have to go here or are you the type of person who's like oh let me just keep it to myself um i don't really need you know let me just keep it more more the more for me the better i don't really need to share this with other people I usually share, but I usually share knowing, oh, all right, they're probably not going to go and do that, but whatever. 
but I'm not. I don't say it like, you have to try this new, oh, just people say, what did you, what were you up to today? I'm like, oh, today I went, you know, it comes up in conversation. Uh-huh. So do you think tw- five tweets in a row about iced coffee is too many? Maybe like the first two, he was just like, whoa, this is really good. And then I think it just kind of hit a point where he's like, oh, I'm getting a lot of attention for this. People think this is really funny. Now I'm just like, going to keep going on and joking about it. Because in the video, it seemed really jo- jokey. Mm. You know? Like, how come y'all never told me about iced coffee? It just starts to seem like a joke. Yeah. Now, last question, then we'll move on from this. One of the tweets, Nick was literally about to go to sleep and already dreaming about the iced coffee he was going to get the next day, and he couldn't wait for it. He was eager to fall asleep so he could wake up and have an iced coffee. Have you ever been in the situation where you're going to sleep and you're already excited about something you're going to eat or drink the next day? I'm thinking about it. Not necessarily excited, but I do. Sometimes when I get home from work, I see that I have leftover coffee that I leave in the fridge to make iced coffee the next day. And when I come home from work, I'm like, ooh, I really would just like like a nice coffee just like at like 4 p.m. to just like kind of pick me up again. But then I'm like, whoa, I should not be having that. But then I'm going to end up staying late later at mm. night. So and then I'm like, OK, well, just have it for tomorrow. Like right now, I'm like, ooh, iced coffee. Like I'd like a nice coffee, good, but huh? it's 7 p.m. right now. So I'm like, ooh, shit, I'll just wait till tomorrow. And how do you like your iced coffee? Um, Just a little bit of milk. Milk and any sugar? No sugar. Yeah, here's another pro tip to everybody, since I am a coffee expert, and it's, like I said, one of my passions other than sports, Mm -hmm. and then we will move on. We already had, we've got two great coffee tips today. We had the one about sweating with your hot coffee in the summer. Now, this is another very useful tip about specifically drinking iced coffee. You ready? I'm open, family. Focus and open your ears. Now, a lot of times it's frustrating when you get iced coffee because you ask for sugar. And what happens to the sugar? It just clumps in the bottom of the freaking iced coffee. It doesn't really go through. Then if your straw hits the bottom of the iced coffee cup, you're getting a whole freaking spoonful of sugar right down the pipe. I mean, it's too sugary. Here's the trick. And here's what's what's wrong. Sugar only dissolves in heat. Sugar needs heat to dissolve. So for that reason, iced coffee, no matter how much you mix and shake your iced coffee, if you just put regular old sugar in your iced coffee, it will not dissolve. And it'll just stay stuck at the bottom, just like I mentioned and described. Now, if you want that sugary taste to your iced coffee, obviously you can do the sort of agave nectar or the sugar, you know, that little clear sugary liquid that they have at some coffee shops. But... When you don't have that and you're not at a bougie coffee shop, what you can also do is use Splenda or one of those sugar substitutes. Now, I know some people think some of them aren't healthy or they're not. You know, use whichever one you feel comfortable with, obviously. But if you use one of those fake sugars, because they're not real sugar, they can dissolve in any liquid regardless of hot or cold. So if you use Splenda or something like that, that will dissolve right into your iced coffee. And that's my tip for drinking iced coffee this summer. You're welcome, I'm Open Family, and I'm just trying to share all the knowledge I have with you, all the expertise through my life experience that I have with the I'm Open Family. Made from sugar, so it tastes like sugar. Splenda. Found at your local grocery stores. And that's why I'm so sweet. And it can give you cancer. We got that Splenda money over here. Thank you, Splenda. We love you. You'll never know if that was a... (laughs) You'll never know how much Splenda is paying me to tell you how to make your iced coffee.
here on I'm Open Podcast, we are all about spreading love, spreading positivity. Just like Tristan Thompson, well, I don't know if he's been spreading positivity, but he's definitely been spreading, spreading his love far and wide. Uh, just like Beyonce and her publicist, we're all about spreading love. But if you fight, we might talk about it. Now, this is a situation that I could not believe because the Raptors, as we just mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, won the championship. Okay? They won it in six games, and that means the sixth game and final game in which they clinched their title was in Oakland at the home of the Warriors. As the game was coming to a close, the general manager of the Toronto Raptors, Masai Ujiri, who's a boss, he deserves a lot of credit for putting together this whole Raptor team, Raptors team. He's the general manager, so he's the one who gets to pick players, make trades. He made a huge ballsy trade to get Kawhi Leonard this past summer, and then he made some great trades in this uh, during the season, adding Marc Gasol, adding some players who really helped them win the title. So he was going onto the court from his seat to celebrate with his team. But one of the security guards at the arena in Oakland was not trying to let him on the court. They were trying to keep everybody who was sitting in the stands from going onto the court. So, allegedly, Masai, who's the, like I said, the president or general manager, whatever, of the president of basketball operations and general manager is his official title. Basically, he's the boss. He runs the Raptors. The security was try not trying to let him on the court. So Masai allegedly pushed him and struck him in the face to make it on the court. Now, this is a crazy situation. Now, it's becoming a legal situation where they're considering should be pressed charges because Masai, I guess, had an alter a physical alter altercation with a police officer, security officer. What, I don't think it was an actual... What kind of smack was it? Well, it's hard to know because... There's no video footage. Yeah, there's not. A, at the moment, there's not a lot of video footage that has come out. Some people did on Instagram and Twitter have footage of the aftermath. Mm. When there was like a big sort of circle around everybody shouting and yelling. But so far, we haven't had any video come out of in the moment what actually happened. Did he actually push him? Did he actually hit him? Right. Like, is it a punch to the face? Like, did he just kind of like give him a little like on the face, you know, like a quick little smack or like. So. It's just weird that they weren't letting him on. So yeah. So it's according to. like some someone was like a sore loser and they just happened to be the security guard. So according to the lawyer who represents the officer, he said, my client received an unprovoked and significant hit to his jaw, causing a serious concussion, a templar mandibular joint injury, which is a serious joint injury. He is off work and disabled, and he wants to go back to work. Okay, now this to me, okay, I'm just going to straight up. Sometimes you can be over-diagnosed by a doctor, you know? Yeah, okay, first of all, I don't really... Jaw? No. Is a concussion? Yeah. Nah, bro. Nah. Nah. There's no chance you got punched so hard in the jaw that you got a concussion. No chance. Also, I don't trust lawyers. Period. Right. Sorry to my friends that are lawyers. I love you guys and I trust mm -hmm. you guys. If you're not my friend uh, and you're a lawyer, I probably don't trust you. Mm -hmm. Because lawyers are paid to 
lie for a lot of their clients. And that's how it works, right? So as a lawyer, your job isn't to tell the truth. Your job is to tell the story that your client needs to be told. So you got a concussion from this? I don't know about that. I really don't know about that. Do you think Masai should have been more calm? I mean, totally, totally. And... You know, but at the same time, like, this is, like, the first time they ever won. So, you know, he, maybe in the heat of the moment, he was like, I have been, like, that's, like, a pinnacle moment when you're like, we have won the championship. You know, it's like. It was the exact moment they won the championship. That moment. For your you're whole thinking life. thinking of that moment. So, and they put so much work into it. I can see how just, like, oh, my God, you just suddenly go red. Like, what? You're telling me I can't go on the stage? I don't know if there was another way he could get on. Like, could he have gone up, like, gone down the balcony or something, just went to, like, someone else on the side? Also, why couldn't the general manager already just be out on the field, like, in a seat? Well, because you sit in the, you sit with everybody else in, like, the stands. Not with everybody else. Oh, so they wouldn't let him off the stands? He was trying to walk from the stands where everybody's sitting from the bleachers down onto the court. So they were like, nobody's allowed, nobody's allowed. Right, I, I mean, I think... But he was, I'm sure he was sitting, like, the second row, right? Yeah, it's just different personalities. Like, most people would be like, this is bullshit! And then they just, like, stay where they are. But, you know, I think it really... I think it just depends on someone's anger level. And clearly he just, like, couldn't control his anger. I, though, I take Masai's side on this one. No, I 100. think he should be. I think he should be able to go to the field. Like, I just think the security guard was just being, like, sour. And just was just, like, having a power trip and loving it. Okay, but here's the thing: if you, if the, if you're, what you're saying is is what happened, Ariana, and the security guard knew who Masai was and was like, "You're not allowed on the court because I'm feeling sassy right now because we lost, or feeling grumpy because we lost." He should lose his job. You're not allowed to let your personal situation, your personal feelings, come in the way of blocking your job. But maybe there was a rule where it was like, please don't let anyone on the stand on the court. And maybe, like, you know, there's always a subjective, like, gray line where it's like, okay, but this dude's a part of the team. Like, that's a point where, like, you just make a call of judgment. You're like, you go, okay. Yeah. Everyone else, you can't come down. He's the president of the team. I'm sure he was just, like, feeling salty and was just like, well, this was the rule I was told, so... So either that's the case. In that case, it's like this guy's the president of the team. He pays everyone on the team. He hires everyone on the team. He's in charge of the whole fucking team. So if nobody gets this, I mean, if anyone gets to celebrate the championship, it should be him. He should. Well, I was gonna say you could be like, "Yo, so and so," like, and send a text or call them to like just be like, let him through. Yeah. But like, if everyone's like, like, there's no way someone's gonna be checking. Oh, let me check my text messages. You know? No. Oh, I think I have a call coming in. Hold on. Yeah, also, here's the thing, though. There's also a possibility that maybe the security guard didn't recognize him and was just, like, no fans on the court. Right, 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 But in that case, it's like, dude, how stupid can you be? I don't care if you're not... I don't care if you're a Warriors fan and you don't care about the Raptors. But hopefully he used his words and he was like, I am the president of this team. Like, please, like, can you let me... Please let me go through. Yeah, but, I mean, he's a pretty well-known figure in the NBA. He's the president of the Raptors. Like, they should have known, like, look, these people are with the Raptors. They're allowed to be with the team. They should have had, like, a list. They should have had people's faces. These are the people who are allowed to be with the team. It should have just been a Mr. Beans moment. He should have just run to and ran to another part of the stands and ran. just jumped over. I mean, or just go ask another security guard. I feel like if I was Masai, I would be like, you don't fucking recognize me, bitch. I'm the <laughs> one who made this team. I made this team. See, Fuck out see, my way. I'm going on the stage. You be getting I'm, a lawsuit. <laughs> I'm going on the court to celebrate. You be getting a lawsuit. <laughs> but 
that's a moment you can't get back. That's a moment you can't get back. You're waiting your whole life I know, to win an NBA that's championship. That's why he, the moment he's he struck. And yeah. I can understand that. And it's worth it. I don't want to wait 20 minutes while you go and check my ID and look up on Wikipedia to see who I am until you let me on the court to celebrate with my team. You want to go out right in the moment that you win the championship, everybody jumping on top of each other, everybody, you know, high-fiving, crying, laughing. In the moment, that's a moment you never get back in your life. You don't want to miss that moment. So I think it's worth it to push the security guard. Obviously... You Clearly, wit- it's not. You never want it to come to violence, but that's a moment that he's never going to forget for the rest of his life. And this oh, little guy was just much. on a tra- power sh- trip. I'm sure this little security guard, oh, big security guard, security guard. Also, like, you're a security guard. Can't you block that 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 stuff? Like, did you not hit, see him swinging? Well, Masai's um, a pretty tall guy. He's like six three. Okay. Um, no, I th- I think the security guard is secretly like, yes, I can see the shit out of him get some money and just retire now i mean that's a pretty good situation yeah maybe that is the move start blocking people and get them so mad they take a smack at you yeah well sadly this isn't the only fight we have to discuss today because the same game not the same game this is actually with baseball with the new york mets now they had, as most teams do, they had a reporter come into their locker room after the game to ask questions. Mm-hmm. They had just lost to the Chicago Cubs, 5-3. to three. And this reporter, um, I, should, I should give him uh, his credit, Mickey Calloway was asking some questions to the manager of the New York Mets. Why didn't you put this player on the bench? How come you left this pitcher in so long when he was getting crushed and people kept getting hits? Why didn't you take him out? Eventually, they were like, get out of here. Get out of the locker room. They were all calling him, you know, a lot of bad words. And apparently, one of the players was about to go and fight this reporter and had had to get held back. Do you think the player was doing a good job in defending his team? Or do you think he crossed the line in trying to fight a reporter? <laughs> I just don't know why you would let a reporter in in a like back room, changing room. Well, that's the way that's, it works in all sports right I now. Thought in the NBA, it's like you get changed up, then you go out and you sit down and you have like a press conference. Well, they do have those kind of official press conferences, but also sometimes there are some reporters that, that are allowed to like go into the locker room and like ask guys questions at their lockers when they're like changing right. up. And I they're... mean, I guess it's just being mindful as a reporter. Like, like you just have to just be smart about it. Like, why would you ask questions that you know is deliberately going to piss off the team? But I mean, reporters do 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 things like that so they can create a story. But this just seemed like over the top of you raising like the emotions of people where it's like they just want to like start beating the shit out of you well he was like why didn't you bench this player and put in this player he was questioning the logic and strategy of the owner i mean of the manager i'm sorry and um i think the manager just didn't like to be questioned and he was mad he lost because you know what if people are right they don't get that mad you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. and if you if you call people out actually on their air they will get mad Right, so I think that's what made the owner extra mad. Is the the reporter was right? He should have benched the guy because the team lost, and yeah. you know, and that was the situation where right, the team right, lost. Right. Oh, hey, I guess he got the story he wanted. I guess he did, but I don't think he wanted the story to be about himself. <laughs> is he suing now? I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is, and I guess the guy was just defending. But it's like you know, if you tell me 
I look like a dump truck, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get mad at you because obviously I'm a human being. I don't look like a truck. doesn't make sense. But if you tell me I need to floss more often, I might get mad because I actually do need to floss more often. <laughs> right? I wouldn't get that mad because I, I know you're right. people are different. I do think like some people are pretty have easy anger lovers and um, they may know that it's not true but still get angry because you're accusing them of a lie. Yeah, I just think it's not worth it. I know reporters sometimes ask questions that feel like they're pushing too far, feel like they're like annoying, like why do you need to ask this? Just don't fight a reporter. Just say like no comment. No right, comment yeah, is the no easiest comment. thing to say. Yeah, you're right. And then you're winning too because if you just say a no comment, no comment, no comment, guess what? The reporter doesn't have shit to write about. All they have is no comments. Right. Now that you tried to fight the man, right. he definitely has something to write about. Now this final fight... Sadly, Ariana was the biggest of all. And this actually went on during a game of baseball between seven-year-olds. Oh, my God. Seven-year-olds. Now, the umpire made a bad call. Or made, I don't know if it was a bad call. Made a close call. Okay. The umpire, though, was only 13 years old. Oh. So it's a 13-year-old, so it's like a 7th grader being the ref or umpire for 7-year-olds for 2nd graders. Right. So the point is, everybody's going to make mistakes. It's babies playing sports, right? (laughs) Then, it went off the chain, and it started a brawl between the parents. Do you want to see it? Sure. Okay. Here we go. So you guys now in the I'm Open family are going to hear Ariana's reaction live as she watches the video for the first time of these parents brawling on the Little League baseball field. And let me remind you, these were seven-year-olds playing Little League baseball. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh my god, this is so terrible. I hate when I see shit like this. You know what's sad too? It's like all like white ass, like just like in the middle of nowhere, probably a small town, like. So it took place in Lakewood, Colorado. (laughs) Now you were just saying, making some comments, but we could hear, we could hear the people fighting in the background. Is there anything that could make this okay for for parents to fight like this over their seven-year-olds playing ba- playing baseball or no, any sport or even so, doing anything? No, that's so crazy. That's really unacceptable, and it just sets a terrible example for those kids who are playing. It's like, you know, you win you're lo- and you lose, and, like, these parents are being bad sports, and it's just setting, like, a really bad example, especially for seventh grade, I mean, seven-year-olds who are very impressionable. Yeah, and you've actually taught some seven-year-olds in your profession as a teacher. Oh, yeah. So you know how... They see it and they bring it to school. Exactly. They follow the examples that they see in the world. And it's natural for a young kid of that age. You follow what you see your parents do, your role models do. Mm-hmm. So, and I, we've talked about this, you know, a number of times on the podcast, and I'm sad that I have to keep bringing up this topic, but it's really important to me, and I think it's important that people like this understand this. I love sports. I'm very passionate about sports, as we all know. I would never fight somebody 
physically about sports. You can shout at me all day. You can say fuck you. You can hold up the different jerseys that you like. You can hold up your team poster that you like. Just because you like a team that I don't like or or you let you hate my team or you hate my favorite player. That's not an, ever an excuse for me to fight someone physically. Try to punch someone and try to hurt someone. And how stupid do you sound? Like one of these guys is literally in, be, being investigated for assault mm-hmm. and he could go to jail. Yeah, now how stupid do you sound? When you say, yeah, I knocked a guy out because my my kid struck out and he's seven years old. How stupid do you sound? Who really won that situation? You because you knocked somebody out? No, I don't think you did. You lost. I, I just they needed to have an adult empire there. I mean, that's just weird in the first place. But, but. Even, if, even if it was an adult umpire, luckily they didn't knock out the umpire who was 13 years old. But, <gasps> but like, you knocked out one of the other parents because your kid struck out and he's seven? Yeah. What do you what do you expect? He's seven. There was a big fight that actually rocked the sports world, but luckily, Ariana. You'll be very happy to hear that this fight actually made me feel really good. It made me happy inside, which is rare for a fight. It's very rare. That's because a fellow by the name of Andy Ruiz Jr. pulled off a big upset to knock out, to, to, he didn't knock him out, but to defeat Anthony Joshua and become the new world heavyweight champion. Now, I'm going to show you right now a picture of Ruiz and Joshua. Now, Anthony Joshua is about six foot six and extremely muscular. Yeah. Andy Ruiz is about six foot one. And it looks like he has beer blubber. A little husky, and he weighs about 270 pounds. Joshua weighs 245 pounds. So, Andy Ruiz is about six inches shorter and about 25 pounds heavier okay everybody was like oh my god the jack guy is gonna the win? jack guy is gonna crush him the jack guy which is anthony joshua but no and andy ruiz it wasn't just like an upset like oh my god he barely beat him this is crazy he whooped his ass mm. he he knocked him down like a couple times in a row he was really knocking him down it wasn't just like oh my gosh that was such a close call he really let him have it and he whooped him all over the ring now, everybody is saying, this is the biggest upset ever. It's so incredible. I can't believe it. He's such an underdog. Because, like he said, like you said, Ariana, he looks like you wouldn't expect him to be an incredible athlete. Yeah. He's kind of a husky gentleman. And has like a weird Spider-Man tattoo like all over his chest. Well, not because of the tattoo. I think just more <laughs> because of his body. Yeah, that's not He's an a attractive husky. tattoo. It's not an attractive tattoo, but he's a great guy. He's, uh, also, he's wearing jeans, and his other <laughs> man is wearing, like, sweats, and he's wearing a bandana. Like, he, his presentation kind of looks like a joke. Well, the jeans was weird, um, but everybody... Wait, did he fight in jeans? No, he, oh, no, he fought in shorts. They both fought in shorts. Um, but everybody 
Well, first of all, what's really exciting is he's the first Mexican heavyweight champion ever. Okay. And Mexican people love boxing. Right. It's, they really like boxing. He actually grew up in California, but he's Mexican-American. Um, and he's the first, you know, boxer of, with Mexican, Mexican heritage to be the heavyweight champion, which is really awesome. Yeah, that's great. My only thing is this. Because Andy Ruiz is a little bit chubby, everybody is hyping him up like such a Cinderella. Like, mm. oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this happened. Mm. But when you actually look at his record and learn about Andy Ruiz, he has fought 34 times and he's only lost once. Wow, I wonder who beat him. He, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> he lost... Uh, which was in, a couple years ago in 2016, he lost to Joseph Parker. Mm. But it was a really cool... Oh, he had a heavyweight title, it says. He is a heavyweight oh, title. No, he said he, he lost to a oh, yeah. heavyweight title. Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So that was for the heavyweight title, for the WBO heavyweight title. And it's oh. weird with boxing. There's like five different heavyweight titles. There's like mm. different belts, like by different leagues that give it out. But you're right. It was for the heavyweight title. Also, the guy was a pretty good boxer, and I have not seen the fight, but according to people who saw that fight against Parker, it was a really close fight, and according to, you know, just depending on who you... Boxing is kind of a weird score system like gymnastics, mm -hmm. where they say, like, you got a 9 that round, you got a 7. So some people thought that Andy Ruiz actually should have won the first one against Parker anyway. In that case, he would have been undefeated. And, like I said, he's got 34 fights... 33 of them have been wins, and 22 of them have been knockouts. Mm -hmm. He's knocked out the opponent. So, what I'm trying to say with this whole thing is, people are being a little bit disrespectful of Andy Ruiz, just because he's husky. People are now saying it's the biggest comeback ever, it's the biggest upset ever, I can't yeah, believe this happened. Yeah, it's really an upset. It was an upset, but the guy's a really good boxer. It's not like right. people are like, wow, it's like Rocky. It's like they just took some random guy off the street and let right. him box. No, the guy's boxed 34 times. He's only lost once. He's a freaking right. good-ass right. boxer. Yeah, I think some people just have a natural talent and, you know, don't judge a book by his cover. So do you, th do you agree with me that people are disrespecting Andy Ruiz and calling him a... Is it... So I guess here's my question. Let me let me try to frame this in a better I mean, way. Yeah, he looks a little husky. I was just making jokes like, oh, God, this guy. But I'm sure if you watch him box, it's a different story. And also it might... Like, people may be playing it up because he is the first Mexican-American person to win. And so I think a lot of people may have... Maybe racist, have a chip on their shoulder, whatever. Oh, yeah. When you look at the pictures... And like, when you see them next see to each like other... You see, like, a guy who kind of looks like a model, and then you see him, and it's like... Pfft. If you were like, who's going to win? You probably would pick the dude with his the six-pack. But, you know, it's like you just can't underestimate people. It's a great lesson. Don't judge a book by its cover. It's also a great lesson just in terms of... Um, that tattoo is hideous. His tattoo is bad. It's like a tattoo that's like going around his nipples but like not actually touching his nipples yes, both nipples that is true it and nothing below under the nipples just all it's, upward it's just around. a chest tat and you're right it's one of those things where if you see the pick of both of them it looks like wow well josh was gonna knock his ass out right yeah, yeah. But i think it's a good sign it's a good symbol and it's a good ex you know example of the fact that just because you're husky like 
that doesn't mean he's not a great athlete. Yeah. Great athletes come in all shapes and all sizes. Yep. Now, do you think, Ariana, that it's nice that people are hyping up like, oh my God, this is the biggest comeback ever. This is like Rocky. Not comeback. This is the biggest upset ever. This is like Rocky. This is like, you know, whatever, the United States winning um, the Miracle on Ice, which they made that movie about in the Olympics back in the 80s. Or do you think, so do you think it's nice that people are, are hyping it up and making such a big deal about Andy Ruiz? Or do you think it's disrespectful that people are pretending like there's, people are, they're not pretending. People are so shocked that this happened, when in reality, this guy's been a really good boxer for his whole life. Yeah, I think people probably didn't know his history, and they're just looking off of first impressions. I mean, you look at him, and you just really don't think that he would knock somebody out. But also, I don't know his other competitors' track record record and if the other guy had undefeated wins then i can see how they would he say was and joshua was oh, okay undefeated. well then i can see why they they would say it was an upset because if the other guy's really really good hey yeah so that's probably why well luckily for all of us andy ruiz is a legend i love him he's he's humble but he's still confident he's focused but he's not gonna be showy but he just knows he's good which he is and he didn't feel like it was an upset himself. He actually asked because the guy who was supposed to fight Joshua took steroids and got kicked out. And so he texted or DM'd or whatever the guy who was putting the fight together and said, let me fight Joshua. I know I can beat him. Let me fight him. I know I can beat him. And he hit the guy up. Wow. And he was right. He was absolutely right. And I think it's a great sign. Don't judge a book by its cover. And you never know what people are capable of before you meet them and before you really see them at work, see them doing their thing. And luckily for all of us in the sports world and all of our Andy Ruiz fans out there, there will be a rematch of these two guys coming up later this year. So we'll get to see if it was just a fluke and if it was just a big upset or if Andy Ruiz really is the best heavyweight boxer in the world. And... I don't think I've ever talked even about boxing on the I'm Open podcast. So thank you, Andy Ruiz, for bringing a new topic to the podcast, (laughs) bringing some new excitement to the podcast, and give a little love for all of our boxing fans out there in the I'm Open family. I'm Open Family. You know we can't say goodnight before we do something that we always do on every single episode, and that is to recognize our Mask Off Performer of the Week. This recognition goes to somebody who has taken their mask off and revealed something new about themselves. Doesn't have to be good, doesn't have to be bad, just means we learned something new about them. This award is inspired by none other than Future. Thank you so much, Future. Mask Off. Now, this week, the Mask Off Award should probably actually be called the Masks Off Award because it's not going to one person, but it's going to a large group of people. And that is basically everyone who covers and writes about the NBA draft, or any draft in general for that matter. Now, the NBA draft just happened this past week. I love the draft. 
It's one of the most fun events of the year. All the guys get to dress up in fun costumes. This year, the best costumes were definitely, well, I think the number one best costume was Bol Bol, who dressed up as giant evil Spider-Man. On close runner-up was Darius Garland, who dressed up as neo-futuristic metrosexual Anakin Skywalker from episode one of Star Wars. So if, if you guys have an opinion as to who really did have the best costume, you guys can go check out our Instagram, I'm open underscore pod, and uh, cast your vote who you think really showed out with a better costume between those two gentlemen. But great costumes were presented by all. Everybody's family was there. People were crying. People were laughing, hugging, high-fiving, secret handshakes, putting hats on for their new teams, sometimes putting hats on for teams they're never even going to play on. It was a fun night, and it was a great night. But I'm fired up about this, and I'm fired up not because anybody made any bad picks, not because of any of the costumes the guys wore. No, I'm fired up because of the way the media reacts to the draft. Now, every single year, as soon as the draft is done, right away, guys who write and girls who write about sports are already grading the picks. A, great pick. A plus, incredible pick. C, not the best pick. F, terrible pick. They're grading these picks, and these guys have never even played a moment in the NBA. We don't really know how the pick is going to turn out. It's like you being born, and people already saying, well, this guy's not going to live up to much. I mean, you don't you don't know. You don't know until you give them a shot till you go out there, there on the court and see if they can really ball or not. But we always rush to judgment. We always have to just jump in right away before these guys even have a chance to put on their new jerseys for their new teams and even fly to their new cities where they just got picked to and have to move to before we already start grading these picks as failures, good picks, solid picks. I mean, this is just crazy. It's like if I decide to cook you dinner and you say, that's great, I'm coming over for dinner. And before you even walk in the door, I text you and say, I'm making lasagna. And you say, terrible pick, I'm not coming over. Before you even try my lasagna. Now, you don't know, maybe you don't like other people's lasagnas, but you haven't tried my lasagna. This might be the best lasagna you've ever had, right? So just based on the recipe, without even tasting it, you're already making a judgment. That's the same thing that's going on with these players. Yeah, we've seen them play in college, but we don't know how they're going to react now that playing basketball or, you know, playing any sport, because this isn't only basketball. This happens with football. This happens with every sport. So let's remember, a lot of these guys getting drafted are 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm not that old, but I have changed a lot as a person from the time I was 18 to the age I am now. I've changed a lot, and all these guys are going to, too. You don't know how they're going to mesh with their new teammates. You don't know how focused they're going to be once they really get to treat their sport like a job and not like, you know, an activity. Remember, they're student athletes in college, so they are also going to class, hypothetically studying and working on papers and stuff, so they don't have 24 hours a day to just work on their bodies and work on their games. Now they will. And guys always rush to say, great draft by the Mavericks or terrible, terrible draft by the Nuggets. I can't believe they did that. When you don't even know how the players are going to turn out, how they're going to mesh with the teams, and what full potential they can reach to. It's like if I were planting a garden. And I do like to garden every once in a while, though, you know, I, I, I'm not that great at it. But it is nice. It feels good to live around plants and have makes the oxygen nice and fresh. But... 
imagine if I go out garden and plant some seeds for some beautiful flowers, but you can't see the flowers yet because the seeds are still in the soil and it takes a while to water them, have the sun shine down on the plants, have the roots grow before the flowers come up and it might be months and months. But you just come out, you look at a patch of dirt and you say, I don't like those flowers, they're ugly, it just looks like dirt to me, F. I'm giving this garden an F. But you might not actually see my garden when it actually blooms. That might be an A-plus garden. But if you just come and look at my garden when all the seeds are just in the ground, it's just going to look like a pile of dirt. And you're going to give me an F. So, enough with all these different metaphors about gardening, about cooking, about all types of stuff, Star Wars. We're going to take a look back really quick at some of these mask off performers in the past. How have they graded drafts in the past? And how have these predictions, how have these grades come to fruition? Did they grade them accurately or not? It takes a while for these guys to reach their full potential. Basketball is a hard sport and you come in at an 18 year old, 19 year old, you're playing against grown ass men every night. So like I said, I'm not gonna just go back just and look at last year's draft or the year before that because it's still kinda hard to know how those guys are gonna turn out. They might've had a terrible rookie season, but they might turn out to be great players. They might've had an awesome rookie season, but they might break their foot next year and never really be the same athletically. We don't know what's gonna happen. So let's look a little bit farther back. Starting with 2015. The draft was about four years ago now, so that gives us a little bit of time to to see how these guys are turning out, how they're playing. So, for the 2015 draft, one of the teams that got an A grade was the Denver Nuggets. You know who they drafted that year? A gentleman by the name of Emmanuel Moutier. Now, at the time, this was the USA Today sports page Jeff uh, Zilgit, and I'm sorry, Jeff, but we're calling you out because you, you published this there, so we're going to have to credit you for your words, as journalists like to be. This is what he said about the Denver Nuggets draft. Speaking of draft steals, the Nuggets got one to an NBA-ready point guard, Emmanuel Moutier. He has Dwayne Wade-type craftiness and should star right away. A. The grade was A. Now, look, this is a guy who he compared to Dwayne Wade, who's one of the Definitely one of the best players of this past generation will be a Hall of Famer, multiple-time champion. And he said Emmanuel would be a star right away. Well, I hate to say it, Emmanuel actually hasn't really become a star yet. He's now just finished his fourth season. He wasn't even really a starter for his team. And yeah, he's not even on the Denver Nuggets anymore. They thought he was going to be the next Dwayne Wade for the Denver Nuggets. Well, he's already now moved on to the New York Knicks. Just one more from the 2015 draft, and then we'll move on. The Oklahoma City Thunder, they got an A in 2015 for their pick of Cameron Payne. At number 14, this is straight from the article, Cameron Payne was considered a sleeper of the draft until Billy Donovan and co. realized the mid-major star as a dynamic playmaker was well-suited to mesh with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. The Thunder had a missing piece to their puzzle. Payne was it. Wow, that's so exciting, Cameron Payne. He was the final missing piece to the puzzle, the third wheel for Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to take the Thunder over the top, grade A. Isn't that so awesome for the Thunder? Well, no. It wasn't. It wasn't. Because Cameron Payne, the most famous and recognizable thing he ever did with the, with the Thunder, was dance around with Russell Westbrook and have a really elaborate dancing high-five routine before every game. Now, that was a lot of cool, cool, fun times. That was great. 
But he left Oklahoma City after just two seasons, spent two and a half seasons in Chicago, and then was was traded to Cleveland. So he's already on his third team after getting an A and being the final missing puzzle piece for the Oklahoma City Thunder to put them over the top. So, yeah, you know, that's why you just don't jump to conclusions. That's why you just don't jump to conclusions and start giving A's and B's and F's because you you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. And now, I'm sorry, Jeff Zilligat, or or I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your your name as well. I'm sure you're a really smart guy. But now, you just called Cameron Payne the missing piece to the Thunder's puzzle. And we, we now all have this on the record. You maybe just wait, and then you see how it actually turns out. Maybe maybe you need a little bit more time. Let's go back of the previous year, 2014. At this point, these guys have had five years in the league. They've had a while to kind of get used to it, to get acclimated, and we kind of have a pretty good idea now about what type of player they're going to be. Let's look at another very high-graded pick from that year, 2014. This gentleman was also given an A+. Jabari Parker, who got drafted at number two by the Milwaukee Bucks. This is what the Bleacher Report Reaction said about Jabari, they said the Milwaukee Bucks desperately needed a go-to scorer and they found one in Jabari. He has the tools to immediately become a dominant offensive player, a smooth jumper, a convincing freight train impersonation in the open court, and requisite athleticism to finish plays around the basket. Parker's scoring talents and NBA-ready status have to be exciting for the scoring-deprived Bucks. Wow. Jabari Parker also no longer on the original team that drafted him. He was traded during last season. So Jabari Parker, another, what's the pattern here? All these guys getting A's, A pluses, B's, and none of them remain on the team that actually picked them. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, this, these guys have only had five years in the league. That's still not, not that long. Maybe let's look at the year before. Now, somebody who got an absolutely incredible grade for this draft, the Sacramento Kings. They got an A minus. Very good. They could have done better. They could have got an A or an A+, but an A- is pretty freaking good. And they drafted a gentleman by the name of Ben McLemore at number 7 overall. At the time of the draft, Bleacher Report absolutely loved this pick, like I mentioned, of Ben McLemore to the Kings. This was their reaction right after the draft. They said, number 7, Ben McLemore. It is hard to land the best player in the draft at number 7, but that's exactly what the Sacramento Kings did when Ben McLemore fell into their laps. The former Kansas guard has insane offensive potential, reminding many of a young Ray Allen. He can attack the rim, finish with a thunderous dunk, or drill three-pointers off a catch-and-shoot. Okay, so Ben McLemore... Yeah, he has never really turned out to be the next young Ray Allen, and he's actually was traded by the Kings, then traded again to the Grizzlies, then the Grizzlies traded it again, traded him again actually back to the Kings. At the time, Bleacher Report literally thought that Ben Malcolmore was the most talented and best player in the draft, and now, I mean, look at him, look at him go. He's he's not going. You probably haven't heard of him, and he hasn't been doing much. He's only averaged more than 10 points a game once in his career. And this is somebody who's supposed to be an incredible shooter, the next Ray Allen, dunking, shooting, slamming, everything. Well, uh, I'm not sure where that actually went. And this is my favorite. This is definitely my favorite. Because this was a draft that also included a gentleman by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Giannis just won, this past week, MVP. 
most valuable player of the entire league, of the entire world, basically. I mean, he's the best. He was the voted to be the best player in the NBA this season. He had an incredible season. Well, this was the reaction at the time. Now, Milwaukee, they got a B, they, they got a B grade for drafting Giannis. That's not bad. But the day after the draft, Bleacher Report put out an article and published it on their website that actually spelled his name Giannis Adi Tukumbo. So they totally didn't even spell check and spell his name right at all. They spelled it A-D-E-T-O-K-U-N-B-O. No, the name is A-N-T-E-T-O-K-O-U-M-P-O. So you're adding different letters. You're adding B's when there's P's. You're taking away N's and turning them into D's. Taking away T's and turning... I mean, what the heck is going on? You can't even make sure you spell this guy's name right. And this was the instant reaction when Giannis Antetokounmpo was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks from Bleacher Report. They said... The Milwaukee Bucks, even with Shane Larkin on the board, decided to go with the ultimate high-risk, high-reward selection, drafting Giannis Adidagumbo. Okay, you can't, you, you're disrespecting the man saying that they should have gone with Shane Larkin on the board, and now you're, you're calling him Adidagungo? Whatever, they go on. Adidagumbo isn't just months away from being ready for the NBA, he's years away. Well, it turned out that he wasn't years away at all. He was just a couple years away from being MVP. So this just goes to show, if you're out there and you just got drafted and people are giving you an A grade, people are giving you an A plus grade, don't just go sit on your ass like Ben McElmore or Jalil Okafor because you could end up playing in Syria. Not that there's anything wrong with Syria, but you could end up be playing in the G League. Not that there's anything wrong with the G League. But don't just rest on your laurels and be happy that you got a good grade. And on the other side, if you got a C, if you got a B, if people thought that, that Shane Larkin should have got drafted ahead of you, if people don't understand why they, they added you to the team because they already have good players at your position, go out and prove them wrong. Go out like Giannis. Make them know how to spell your fucking name the right way. So I think this is why I'm so fired up. This is why the sports media is as a whole, the Mask Off Performer of the Week, because they have taken their mask off and revealed that they don't know shit about the draft. They don't know shit about these players. You're giving C's to guys that end up being MVPs. You're giving A's to guys that end up playing in Ukraine in two years. So this is why I think we should just abolish draft day grades. We don't need to grade these guys right after the draft. We don't need to grade them during the draft, before the draft, the week after it's drafted, even a year after it's drafted. Let's wait a couple years until these guys have actually played, have actually gone out and done their job for real, and then let's grade them. You want to go out and do the job. Then they can tell you if you're doing a good job or not. Not during your interview. How are they going to know? How are they going to know? So that is why the sports media in general and draft graders more specifically are our mask-off performers of the week. Ariana, you have been such an incredible guest, as we all knew you would be. Thank you so much for making time out of your very busy schedule to come. So busy as a teacher on summer break. Uh, <laughs> well, don't let him know. To come <laughs> and be with us here on the I'm Open podcast. Is there anything you would like to share with the I'm Open family? Anything you'd like to say before you sign off? Um, beehives, please don't attack. And, um, well, we are a member of the B. I just want to confirm to everybody the two of us are 
members, card carrying members. We have uniforms. We have we've gone through the training, and we are members of the Beehive. So we got nothing to attack here. And um, have a good night. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod, and we hope you can uh, come back again soon to the studio for another show. All right. Thanks again. Thanks again for listening to I'm Open Podcast. Don't forget to give us a rating and tell your friends to listen to the show. And you can follow us on Instagram for hilarious and one-of-a-kind sports content every single day at I'm Open underscore pod. And you can even order your very own I'm Open Podcast hat. Everyone, Have a great night and don't forget to stay open.